also the next stage of animals, where we're aware of who we are and we contemplate our existence. And when you contemplate your existence and you're an intelligent life form, you should always be seeking to improve. If you're always seeking to improve, the thing that you look at, like, what has brought me the most positive results? This is Ronald Gibson, and this is Short Life Advice from the Best of the Best. Today I have with me Mike Berglund, Director of Business Development at Schneider Transportation Management. How's it going, Mike? Good, you? Doing well. Or should I call you Berg? <laughs> <laughs> we can go with Berg. That's the common name here in the office for the most part. Uh, it's kind of funny. People end up dropping in on like conference calls and voicemails or whatever when we're you know customer facing, so it kind of works. Do people call you Berg when you're younger? Always. I've been, <clears throat> shoot, I've been Berglund since I was like, fourth grader yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny i'm always burglin terry's always terry so uh yeah bird lots of lots of variations of, of that over the years um some appropriate some not you know so um but yeah so uh you're the director of new business development at schneider what led you to that Did, was that always on your radar or no it actually was not um so it's kind of funny uh you know, when I, when I first, just to dial it back, you know, when I was getting started up in my career, if you told me I was working, going to be working at a trucking company um, out of school, I would have laughed in your face probably. You know, 21-year-old Mike, corporate communications, frat, frat star down at Eastern. Uh, but, you know, even when I walked in the front door here on my first day, if you would have said, hey, eight years from now, you'll be in a leadership position doing this, you know, outside sales role, you know, that probably would have blown my mind at the time because I just didn't really expect it at the time and you know it took me a while to um figure out the path i wanted and where i was going and even so um the reason i ended up kind of landing in this role was you know i reported to jk and we were having an idp conversation for my uh end of year review you know we were kind of just talking about what's next because um, i had been a som for you know over three years um, and I got the senior title and that whole thing. And, you know, I, and I basically, he said, what's next for you? And I said, well, I want your job. And he goes, well, not that you can't, but I have another one for you. I, I think you should think about it. And, okay. um, it's kind of funny because, you know, it did take me a while over the chance of my career or the course of my career to develop. And, um, my grandfather was a fairly successful guy. And, you know, as I started to develop, he, you know, had some more meaningful conversations with me. And he's like, hey, Mike, you know, one thing that led my, to my success was I was never afraid to stick my hand up and volunteer. And if they're looking for help, I, I just tried to get involved and I tried to do things. And that's how you learn and grow and be open to relocation and be open to these things mm -hmm. because that's how you move. And sometimes you'll take the opportunity that pushes you forward and that's how you build credibility and those kinds of things. So um, when it came back to me and, you know, this was a suggestion, um, I took an open mind to it and I really thought about it and I was like, let's go. This, this, I can do this. So um, I'm glad I landed in it. My favorite thing to do here is the customer interaction and uh, in this role, that's pretty much the main function of my job, so. You do seem to uh, be like a yes man, I've noticed over the years. I mean, that's, it's very, it, I mean, that is huge for your career and developing you as a person and career. I mean, that's only how you experience things and grow as a person is totally. getting in there and uh, just saying yes and taking the challenge and learning from it. And, you know, if you would have never did a lot of those things, I'm sure that helped you get to some position um, back yeah, in the day as for well. Sure. I would agree with that. Um, 
it's just I've always had kind of an open mind on things and <clears throat> you know even when things came back to me as a kid like different clubs and friends going to different functions or whatever like I've tried pretty much everything like once you know so yeah. I I there's you know I haven't told a lot of people this in eighth grade I tried out for our declamations team what's a declamations team? it's like the <laughs> another name where it's like an acting thing Okay. And I had no interest in acting, no previous experience, anything, but they were like, yo, we're doing tryouts. So I went for it, you know, like, That's pretty cool. uh, I did volleyball. I did was, you, wait, uh, did you, uh, make the declamations team? Hell no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't make that, but it's cool. You know, you learn some things, you try something, you get out there and, yeah. uh, you know, I, I played all different sports and different clubs and, uh, I was nominated a peer mediator when I was in eighth grade um by a teacher and when i got to high school they asked me if i wanted to do it again and i stuck with it and it got me a different perspective and, and all these different kinds of things so um what'd you do as a peer mediator so basically a peer mediator was when two kids in high school got into a fight or okay. some type of disagreement it was my job to resolve the issue interesting yeah i didn't know so, they, they didn't have one of these at uh my high school or school yeah so <laughs> it was kind of like a social work leadership program kind of thing but it would literally be like I mean, there was times where it was like two kids slugged it out in the lunchroom and then it was me in a room with them four hours later, like, dude, what are you fighting about? Wow. Like, what's got you this mad that you guys are coming to this, you know, kind of point. Yeah. So, um, it's good. I, I am earlier, you mentioned like experience. I think it all adds up to the sum of your parts and with experience, you get perspective and with perspective, you, you know, get understanding and, um, knowledge and just a better ability to move through life and whatever it tosses at you. And, adapt to situations and um it's been good yeah man yeah uh schneider's been your only job out of college or, or <clears throat> no uh technically i first i took my first job offer uh before i even graduated a friend of a friend was hired this really nice guy uh, mark elrod was hired to be a vice president of sales for this office uh, equipment distributor so like our big printer copier here we have like Konica Minolta was a line of printers we sold we sold like IT solutions we sold like all these kinds of things and um, actually coming out of school I go, I'm sorry going into school I expected to be a high school history teacher football coach that's what I thought and as I started to progress I realized that it might not be that way and there was other things and at the time my mom's significant other was like you know mike you should really check out the sales thing i like, got a couple buddies that are in sales like they do really well and it seems like your personality type and whatever <clears throat> so that's how i kind of got into it and uh my mom uh is very you know she just has made a lot of connections over the years just from living in the same neighborhood and whatever and um that's how she kind of whittled you know we whittled our way into this because she was at uh she used to meet her friend for tea every sunday and she's like oh you know mike's getting ready to apply for jobs he's looking to do sales and she's like oh no kidding my good friend mr elrod just started as a sales guy he's looking to hire people they should talk and boom <laughs> that's how i kind of landed into the job okay. um so it, it was uh good that's kind of like one of those examples where it's like sometimes it's not the grades you make it's the hands you shake kind of thing yeah. uh, which i think is true to an extent uh so I ended up working for this company called, um, oh God, I can't even remember the name of it now. They changed their name. Um, either way, they were out in, they were out in the burbs. It was like uh, out all, all the way in Naperville at the intersection of Route 59 and 88. And they basically, yeah, they sold this office equipment stuff. And I went and did a couple interviews there. And I just didn't have that like perspective on like what 
they were actually trying to sell me. Um, but they kind of, you know, wooed me with, Hey, if you do a lot this first year, you can make X amount and this amount and this amount. We got this company car package and this whole thing yeah. and all these things. Right. And I'm like, I'm 21 and I'm like, man, <laughs> you know, this, is, this sounds great. Yeah. Uh, so I took it, but it took me all about like a week to realize it was just a very, very poor culture. Um, okay. turnover rate was really bad in sales reps. I mean, the average rep lasted like 120 days or something. Mm-hmm. Um, they just weren't very willing to work with you. My training was literally just this portfolio of every product they sold. And they were like, here, memorize this. Now go make some phone calls kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I quickly realized that I liked the selling aspect because I was able to cold call and set meetings and go do some things. And I made a couple small sales. So I was like, you know what, this kind of environment works well for me, but I think this company's not going to foster me mm-hmm. the way I, I really want. Yeah. Um, and I've always been like a person in the opinion of like, I didn't really mind uh, exactly what the work is I was doing as much as it was, who was, who was I working for and was I working towards? Um, and that just didn't really jive with them. So ironically enough, I uh, went to a party with some friends one weekend and I already decided I was going to start applying. Well, it was an Eastern Illinois party and a bunch of people showed up and um, Amber at the time, Amber Bellina was there with Corey self and I bumped into them and we were catching up and I was like, Hey guys, how's it going? Like I haven't seen you since school. Like what's up? And they were like, how are you doing? You know, you started your job and I was like, ah man, like I like sales. My company stinks. And Amber's like, man, I started at Schneider like a year ago. I love it. It's downtown. Um, you know, it's a great culture. People are collaborative. Like you should apply, you know, I'll refer you like it's all good. Um, so I applied and, Flash forward eight years later, and here we are doing a podcast. That's great. So, yeah. It's, you know, crazy just, like, getting out there and meeting people and trying out new things, you know, can take you a long way. It goes a long way, man. It really does. It's kind of crazy how those things work out sometimes, you know. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And now you're brother works here and sister works here and <laughs> yeah. you know, the whole family's here. You're gonna rename the place Bergman pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh let's see. A question I like to ask uh some of the guests is what's a what was your first concert that you've ever been to? First real concert I ever went to was uh the Little Wayne Carter Three tour. Little Wayne. At the yeah, House yeah. of Blues. Uh I think I just finished my freshman year in college. Um, and Lil Wayne, obviously back in our generation was the guy, right? Like yeah. he was the biggest star out there. He was crushing the game, <laughs> dropping new CDs and mixtapes all the time. And, uh, when we found out he was coming to house of blues, I think we paid like 120 bucks for a general admission ticket or whatever, but it was well worth the price. And yeah. a couple of buddies and I came up from evergreen and, you know, we just went and had some drinks illegally <laughs> we figured it out but you know you know how you do when you go to a party or whatever and yeah it was a really good concert and um yeah that was the first one i ever official one i ever went to that's cool yeah i uh i was just at lava palooza a couple weekends ago and little wayne was there and, and how far actually, have we come <laughs> he's pretty good no, yeah i know it sounds like he's getting back into it which is welcomed i think he sobered up and uh he has i didn't know he has an entire band like drummers guitar you know i mean it was pretty cool setup and yeah he, seems like he's got his stuff back together yeah i would yeah he's definitely more musician than you'd be led on to believe yeah um not that he should go off and do 
rock CDs again because we I think we all learned that that wasn't the way to go. Uh, but that said, he you know he's one of the best rappers of our generation. He's you know a musical prodigy. For sure. Know? So that's good. I like it. So uh, we can revert off from Little Wayne here and uh, let's talk about what are what is a book or books that you've given as a gift and why or what are like what, what are the top book or books that um has made the most impact in your life uh yeah i mean i, I do read a lot that's kind of a hard question to just kind of pick one yeah um and i, I listen to jk's podcast and i know that i'm going to probably repeat it um and i think it'll be to the point of a cliche because it's such a good book but seven habits of highly effective people mm-hmm. um it is the most applicable book I've ever read to every aspect of your life that you can think of. And I found it very valuable. And the thing that just kind of resonated with me is ultimately everything you do is a choice, every single thing. Right. And, uh, I love that concept and it kind of like really put me into a better mindset as I've grown up in the company of, I realized like adversity is not avoidable it's going to happen. Things are going to happen. Things are going to change. You're going to lose people in the business. You're going to get fired, you know, especially in the 3PL where so much is out of our control. Right. So, um, I think that helped me just kind of mature as a person and get to a better, um, attitude space where I've been able to really focus on what's important in my day and my workload and how to like influence it rather than just like react to things. And, Mm -hmm. um, I always try to keep that mentality mentality when I'm dealing with things and just kind of realizing, that, you know, hey, if, am I going to remember this in five years? Probably not. So, like, let's just take care of what we control and continue to move on. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, a lot of the intellect from that book comes up in a lot of other books, too. It's, yeah. it's uh, I need to. The Victor Frankl quotes. Um, I know we read that one in the Schneider. Obstacles the way kind of thing. They're all kind of the same concept. and. Um, that's where I really tried to develop because I think that was a learning curve for me when it took me a little while to kind of grow to that. And I see a pretty common theme when we take on like new associates just in general. But that first year or two when you get out of school and you're really moving on from this, you're evolving into a different type of adult, right? Like you're technically an adult in college, but you are not an adult in college. And yeah. I think, you know, we all know what I mean when I say that, right? Yeah. And it, it's... Uh, it's helped me get better at that. And it's helped me coach backwards to other people of just like how to get them there quicker. And I think once we get people there quicker, that's generally where we see people really start to take off. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's tough to see the light to that, to kind of what you're saying of um, when you need to like start taking life seriously and turn it up full notch, you know, like, um, like you said, in college, I definitely wasn't at that point. And I've told some people it's almost like an every five years thing. I would you agree. look back and you're like, five years ago, I don't know what the heck that guy was thinking. You yeah. know, I, yeah. if I could talk to that guy and get him to read some more books right. or get him 100%. to start focusing more on his career and how to better himself. And then it just every five years, it seems like. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm at a point right now where I think I'm doing everything that I can do to be the best Ronnie I can be, but 
five years from now, maybe I'm looking back like that guy was a little naive. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Uh, and I would agree with that. You know, five years ago, it's what was that guy thinking? Ten years ago, it's like, man, I'd really like to kick that kid square in the ass and get him going. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, every five years, it, it, it's very, That's a, I would agree with that. You, um, when did you uh, become a reader? I, I, uh, I never read much books. My even in college, you know, I just I read to get by. I barely read the textbooks they gave me. But the more I read about influential people, successful people, all they do is read. That's like that's how they gain knowledge, and they talk about. Um, like Warren Buffett talks about is the five hour rule and, uh, and how learning compounds itself. The more you learn and, and it's all about reading and he reads and all the, you know, President Obama, Bill Clinton, all these people, uh, Bill Gates, they, they have all these book lists and people look at all the books and read the same books they are. Like, when did you, has it always been a thing for you that you've read or? It was really it was just uh, recently in the last five years. Uh, yeah, I, I would say it's probably my time frame is definitely probably shorter than that. Um, I would say it was like probably a little bit after I started to kind of get full swing into management here. Okay. Um, I kind of realized like, if I'm gonna elevate my game, like I have to do that myself. Yeah. Um, and I wanted insight into a lot of different things. So like, I liked your point of like people who become big influencers or I mean, however you want to phrase it, like they read a lot too. Um, and they have these book lists and whatever. And, um, I kind of like adopted it. I realized in my head, it kind of clicked. Like if you don't use it, you lose it kind of thing. And yeah. like, I was like, well, I'm not advancing myself, you know? And like, I, I can't just go home and play call of duty every night you know yeah, what i mean so like sure. we i have to learn i have to get there somehow and um i realized too like as i wanted to grow in sales um and you and i have talked about this before like the expert generalist kind of thing i just i want to be able to hold conversations and be able to show up in a social situation and make an impact and um i wanted to push that and um books have been good you know i've tried to do other things too like i subscribed to the new york times i pay their online digital thing now and um, I've been biking into work more in the mornings, but normally my start of day process is I read the current times updates, uh, just on my way in, uh, pay for the wall street journal now too. Um, I realized I'm woefully undereducated when it comes to financing and just like global economy and those kinds of nuances. So uh, I've started, to, yeah. so I was like, you know what, I'm going to just, you know, what, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to pay my 20 bucks a month. I'm going to dedicate time weekly here and just start to learn these things. And. If I don't understand it, Google it, you know, or ask somebody or, or start to get like knowledgeable, you know, because even so, as I grow up, I want to be able to manage my finances better and I'm not going to slang freight all my entire life. Yeah. Um, so, but that's really where I think a few years back, I just kind of had a little epiphany in my head was like, you know, if you're going to elevate your game and continue to grow, you're going to have to make that happen yourself. Yeah, I completely agree. Was there a, um, was there an instance where it clicked? for some reason, or is just, you read an article or, I, cause I can't remember what it was for me. I maybe read an article and just heard people kept talking about the best of the best do this and are basically kind of what we talk about and uh, like the learning zone versus performance zone. We yeah. keep talking about the learning zone, but it's everything I hear successful people, they learn and learn as much as they can on the daily. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there was uh, an instance for you that it clicked. Or well, it was actually an instance it kind of clicked in my head because I made a decision to, um, this would be a little bit longer of an answer, but like when I first got to my professional life, um, I kind of, I stopped exercise and I stopped playing sports and my first year, you know, everyone's first year at China was really challenging, right? And I think the stress had just had taken over me and there was a day where I woke up and I went to go put on my pants and they didn't fit. <laughs> True story. And I was like, shit. <laughs> and, um, what happened? You know, is that, I mean, that's what you were probably saying in your head. Yeah. I was like, what, dude, I, I was like, I never had this problem before. What's really changed? And I realized, well, you're not playing basketball and football all the time. You're not um, exercising. You don't go lift with your friends or you, you're doing this. Like you're just literally eating out all the time and you sit in a chair all day and then you sit on the train rides home and you come home and you play video games and you go to sleep and you rinse and repeat. And then you spend your weekends drinking and eating more. <laughs> no kidding that you're gaining weight really fast. And I think that was like epiphany in my head was like, okay, I got to like help myself out here. Um, and it happened to overlap with a buddy of mine. Um, and this is like a lollipop moment. We could talk about lollipop moments later, but, um, I'm a big Twitter guy. And my buddy on Twitter is, uh, he's on Twitter. My friend is, uh, very well, he's on his path to stardom. Basically he's going to be a sports doctor. So, um, at the same time, he was doing his graduate work at Arizona State. And he had shared this like uh, study they did, basically suggesting that at, once you hit 25 years old, if you do not try to keep your physical activity up, um, the data suggests that the further you go, the much, much, much more harder it is to ever get yourself back to where you want to be, where you were, right? Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was like, I can run. A, I used to be able to run a six-minute mile. I could you know, lift with the big guys. I can run with the kids. You know, I, I felt good. Right. And I had good mobility in my body and all these things. And I was like, I just made a decision. I was like, I'm not going this way. I don't want to be that guy waddling down Dearborn trying to get to the office. Like I want to, <laughs> yeah. I want to stay healthy and, and fit. And I want to drive that into my adult years. And, um, it was just, yeah, basically this don't, if you don't use it, you'll lose it kind of thing. And I didn't want to let go of that. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, well, you got to do that for your brain too. Yeah. Um, and that's where I kind of made the decision. Like we need to, not that it needs to be overkill, but let's pick up some books and just chip away at them or try to learn some things. And, um, so it all kind of just like steamrolled itself, uh, and has picked up steam as I've gotten older and my priorities have changed and what I think is important has changed. And, um, where I want to take my life has changed and, you know, I just, that's kind of all. Yeah. I've noticed, man. I mean, you, a lot of different aspects, aspects of your life, you've, you know, just turned it up a notch. Uh, you know, I, I work out in the gym a decent amount at the, the work gym. You're always down there. One of the first ones down there. Um, you know, you're conti continuously reading all the time, always reading articles, you know, you're just out there grinding and, uh, you know, it shows and I think uh, lead by example like that is, yeah. is huge and uh, hopefully somebody can take something from you. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. At least a little bit of motivation. <laughs> <laughs> if you need some tips, I'll be down there. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, I know me and you get some uh, motivation from David Goggins. Yeah. Look him up if you haven't heard about him. That's a great book too. I loved that one. And that was a, one of the books that ran through my head when you asked me the question. Yeah, he's just—he's definitely intense. So he might be—he might be a book after a book kind of thing for some people, but that's a good one. Yeah, it's all about mastering your mind. Right. Uh, the human brain is designed to make you feel comfortable. 
right? Yeah. And that 40% rule. And normally when you get to 40% effort, your brain's saying, hey, slow down because you're getting uncomfortable. And, um, you know, that's not just a physical concept, right? And he, I think he uses it more for the example of like, well, I ran 100 miles despite my body starting to shut down because I tricked my brain into thinking it. But if you even apply that back to just like, our sales concept like your cold calls, cold calls. Know, that's the best that's actually where i was going was with it? this okay. thing was exactly like even now today there's times in my head where like uh maybe i shouldn't try and call the cfo yeah and it's like well why not you know like your brain just like the only reason you're saying that is because you're scared of him hanging up on you or looking foolish or whatever nine times out of ten they don't answer you might as well shoot the shot yeah. and you know and, and I, I try to remember if I'm feeling some type of anxiety or something's creeping up on me or I'm feeling uncomfortable I'm like I'm trying to decipher is it just me getting in my own head or or is it actually some type of human instinct and most of the times you're just getting in your own head yeah it's uh and it happens I, I think the the main thing you want to take out of that is it's it's happening to all of us I wake up in the morning a lot of times I'll run two miles and every single morning my brain is starting to make excuses. As soon as I wake up, boom, it's trying to make excuses. It's like, ah, oh, you only got six hours of sleep. Right. You need to turn that alarm off and yeah, sleep right. an extra 100%. hour or ah, you can work out later. It, and then and it's the same thing with calls. You know, it's the same thing with calling customers or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's always been like that. I think noticing it and realizing that you can affect that you, you you do have a choice beyond what I call it resistance. I mentioned on a podcast from the war of our book that he called it resistance. That's that voice in your head is resistance is what right. he calls it. And that's just knowing that every it's happening to all of us, every single one of us in the entire world, it's happening to us, even the best of the best. It's happening to LeBron James. It's happening. It happens all the time. I mean, it, it's happened in leadership, you know, yeah. like I, the first time I wanted to do a team huddle, way back in the day when I was on Team Odal. Shout out to those of you who know what I'm talking about <laughs> when I say that. Um, but, you know, I remember the first time he's like, all right, you want to be a team leader? Go do something. And I was nervous to talk in the morning up. And I was like, nah, just do it. And I just shot it and whatever, you know, it lands. I remember one time there was a time EVZ showed up and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe EVZ is sitting in on the huddle on the day I have to lead it. Like, come <laughs> on, you know, yeah. and, and just who knows. And now, you know, I look back six years ago and I laugh at that, you know, and yeah. if Aaron heard that, she'd probably laugh too, you know, so. But we were in so much fear back then in those moments, right. it, it seems like that's the only thing in our life right now. And, and that means so much to us in that moment. But, you know, once we push through it and then it's like, we never remember those things. We push through it and then we get better and better. And now you get to a point where you're comfortable yeah. with it. And but yeah, yeah, we can go all day on that topic. I think. All day. <laughs> um, how, how is a failure or a parent failure set you up for later success? Or do you have like a favorite failure in your life that, you that helped you grow and become bird yeah um i mean i guess just if i think back to it and relate it to a few failures in mind i see i think i'm fortunate enough where my mistakes have never truly cost me um the chance to accomplish what I wanted. And I think that's not always going to be the case. And I think I just ended up lucky. So like I did not start my college career out great. 
I know a lot of people struggle, but when I say struggle, man, I was struggling. I had earned 15 credit hours after three full semesters at Eastern Illinois. Wow. Okay. So that's where I'm at. And, you know, I came within uh, uh, a centimeter of losing my financial aid and all this. And, wow. you know, that was one of those things back in the day that, you know, that kind of shook me alive moments. And, uh, um, you know, like I, not to get too deep with it, but, you know, I, I felt horrible at the time because, um, you know, we grew up in a nice middle-class family or whatever. Uh, but when I was 16, my parents had split, um, which is very common in our generation, right? Most people did experience that. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, obviously divorce leads to challenging times and, you know, financial issues and whatever. Luckily we got a great support system. It wasn't like, um, you know, I was ever in danger of not, you know, skipping a meal or something like that. Right. Uh, but you know, it was definitely different and it was change and, you know, we had to make ends meet sometimes, you know? So, um, I just all of a sudden had this intense epiphany one day, um, when I realized that I had to go home and tell my mom this and like it flashed before my eyes, just like how much sacrifice she had made and how much, you know, effort and things it took to get me to this chair. And like when my parents had split, my grandpa sat me down and he's like, you got to lead by example. Like they're going to look at you on what to do and where to go. And I just, the immense amount of like shame and just like that holy cow moment where it's like, how did I get so far down this? Yeah. Um, really like came reverberated in me and it like turned me on somehow, it, like flipped a switch in me. So we were able to keep myself there. And, you know, I, when I told my mom, I think she did a great job. She didn't like freak out or overreact. She was just like, look, I appreciate you telling me, but I'm going to give you one more chance, Mike. And, you know, if you get it right, great. If you don't, it's, it's over. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a super fair response at the time, probably more gracious than she should have been. And, um, I rallied and I still got out in four years. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Dude. So it took that's me two months. Yeah. got out in four years. <laughs> yeah. took, it was definitely some hard work. I had to do uh, summer courses to catch up um, at my local community college, but that was kind of one that just kind of set me up and just made me realize like, um, and this goes back into something that I like to use all the time. I have a few like motivational videos that I probably have watched a hundred times in my life. And Inky Johnson is, uh, I, think one. I, I, so we, sh I shared this with the leadership yeah. team once when we all got to like submit our thing or whatever. And the phrase that stuck with me was honor those that have sacrificed for you. Right. And I think like to some extent that all, all of us are sitting in the chair we are today because somebody else put a sacrifice out there for you. Yeah. Most people in most instances, most instances, it will be the people who raised you, um, are doing a lot, you know? And then like, I've realized that now, like if I show up today, and I don't try as hard as I possibly can to make myself the best Mike Bergman and develop a career and, and make money and do this whole thing. Then that time my mom, you know, stretched 20 bucks to make groceries work to get me there. It was a failure. It was wasted for nothing. That time that she helped me get that project done, it was wasted for nothing. That time my grandpa paid for my computer because I needed one. It was wasted, you know, mm -hmm. like all that stuff yeah. kind of comes back. So every so often, you know, when we all fall into those spaces where you need motivation because it's hard. I mean, like I'm up here talking like I'm a robot and I'm not. There's days I wake up and I'm pissed and, I, you know, I've had it up to my ears. And it's just like the last thing I want to do is come up here and get chewed out for the poor service or whatever it is by some customer and, I normally, before while I'm getting ready and showering up and getting ready for work, I'll throw one of them on in my headphones and I'll listen to it and I'll just sit there and reflect and think and take some deep breaths and energize myself and do some self-talk and get myself hyped up. But um, that honor those that have sacrificed for you, quote, is um, 
is definitely the one that just resonates in my head all the time. It's great, man. It's uh, some great perseverance battling through and, you know, graduating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would have been a yeah. been sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, man. I mean, you get some close calls, so. But you learn some lessons the hard way, and those are the ones that stick with you, and it goes it goes a long way. The uh, you say you keep the watch those videos. You follow uh, Goggins on Instagram. Follow Goggins yeah. on Instagram. Like He's those do it for me. Like yeah. I got a couple saved. Or they're like thirty to forty five seconds, and yeah. I immediately just want to put on some tennis shoes and go run the yeah. five miles. <laughs> Dude, seriously, every, it's every funny because JK. I put JK on that when I read the book, and he started following him, and like. Once a week, JK will send me this and be like, get some Goggins in your veins before the work day, you know, and it just gets you going. <laughs> yeah, gets me so fired up. Uh, you're a busy man. I mean, you put a lot on your plate. Um, when you feel like overwhelmed or unfocused or have lost your focus temporarily in like a certain client or your day, like what are some things that you do to bring yourself back to uh, homeostasis or, you know, or back, yeah, to, back to balance. Yeah. Um, essentially uh, it's, you know, not, I, I know I keep using these cheesy cliches in books, but the Kaizen principle, right. You know, when here's a good one, paying off student loans. When you look at it in its entirety, it's huge, right? If you're looking at the entire mountain, Mm-hmm. It's a big mountain to climb. It's really just that chip away effect. Take mm-hmm. one step, one step, one step, one step, and keep going. So when I get overwhelmed, when I get in that anxious spot, when I start to look and I get all this anxiety about am I doing enough or whatever, it's just revert it back to what is today? How do I win the day? And how do I win this next minute, hour, meeting, day, whatever? What can I control here? And how can I start to take small steps of controllable actions to put me back to a space where I feel like things, where, where I feel like the wheel is turning. Yeah. I love it. You couldn't have put it better. If you, uh, if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere, if anything on it, metaphorically speaking, obviously, uh, getting out a message to millions, maybe billions, what would you uh, put on it? Uh, so going back to my seven habits principle, I think the biggest one, another big one out of there that I just slap on a billboard, I would, the principle of seek to understand, then be understood. And I think that's probably so applicable in today's society where we live in a world where the politics and whatever issue you want to pick is very divisive, right? And um, I've always felt like I've been very balanced and I'm able to like, Uh, connect with a lot of different types of people. Um, But I feel like some people aren't. So in, you know, before people go off in all these hot takes and these rants, just, you know, slow it down and like have a conversation with somebody because at the end of the day, we're really all on the same team and we're Mm -hmm. all probably trying to drive towards the same goal. Right. Um, And I think it, and and in today's society, I think there's a lot of truths to situations, every, you know, and everyone's experience is going to be different because of how they grew up and what that vibe is. Right. And, you know, when people throw these blanket statements out there, different things, that's where I start to go, eh, well, that's probably not the case. And, you know, you probably wouldn't be throwing out the hot take if you met so-and-so and had a better understanding for how they grew up in their life and yeah. what it what it means to, I don't know, to be in their shoes, right? Yeah. And then that's, you know, that's how you get to a better place overall of just, like, accepting that there's a lot of different ways to solve for yes. For sure. You just got to, gaining the perspective of the other person. It's, I, we never think 
because it's always me, me, me. You know, we always think about ourselves. We're so uh, intrinsically focused uh, on what's going on with ourselves. And it's like we never think about the situation that the other person's in. It's like, what if that same situation that person's in, it's like if I went through the same life or the same uh, circumstances, I would probably be making the same decision, you know, or like what, or just on the simple level of someone says something to you on the train or something, maybe they've had a really bad day. Maybe their mother died earlier this morning and, you know, and then you lashing back at them, like what's that going to solve? Right. You know, just bring it simple as that. So, I mean, there is a lot of truth to that. And I think discussion like we're doing now and just sitting down and talking to people, learning about them, learning from them, that's how you gain a perspective. And then that's how society moves on. I agree. More functional. Yeah. And it, in today's uh, clickbait headline-driven society, slow down and have a conversation. Yeah, I like it. That could go up on the billboard as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for sure. What's uh, What's an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? Unusual habit or absurd thing. Um, I don't feel like there's anything I do that's too eccentric. Um, I'm a pretty cookie cutter guy. <laughs> I feel like at least ask Booty that question. She might tell you something different. <laughs> you know, um, Booty's his girlfriend. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> uh, she called me out once because I brushed my teeth with cold water instead of hot. And I was like, that's weird. You know, that was one of those like, things when we moved in together. I was like, this is how you live your life? Like, you're a psychopath. Yeah, hot's you know? the wrong way. That's what I yeah. thought. I was like, what do you mean? You got the hot water, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, I don't have anything that I, tri- I don't know. Ask my brother, ask Boot, ask my mom. They'll tell you something. I don't think... Uh, I have too many things. I'll tell you a goofy fact. I'm like the least hairy 30-year-old man on the planet. <laughs> I have like no hair on my body, as you can tell. Yeah. It's weird. Don't have I haven't hair. shaved in two days. <laughs> did you get a did you get a lot of uh, picked on a lot when you were growing up in high school? Not like I was a very late bloomer and, you I'm know, didn't also, yeah. grow hair on my legs very uh, quickly back in high school. So you got kind of picked no, up that. No, no I didn't. Uh, I got, my friends gave me a hard time for sure, just about other things, but I don't think anybody was smart enough to notice back then. So uh, I honestly get picked on more now <laughs> than I did then <laughs> about that, uh, especially because Terry's the opposite. He's pretty, he's got his hairy chest and hair everywhere. And I'm just like, not so yeah. i don't know how that works out but um it is what it is man don't be don't be mad because i'm a good swimmer yeah i like it <laughs> uh what are uh are there any like bad recommendations you hear in like um our profession or area of expertise that you would uh say for people not to follow or I don't know that people are coaching this to newer associates, but I always try to instill this in the new newer associates and salespeople I talk to where every time, you know, this is the thing, because I did end end for a long time and by today's standards. And so I've seen a lot of this play out and, you know, now that I have perspective on the business, like every single new seller that shows up always tries to swing for the grand slam. Mm-hmm. or yeah, the grand slam. 
and 99% of the time, our sellers do not make it by hitting grand slams, okay? Now, I'm going to drop my White Sox references, okay? You guys remember when we won the World Series? Yeah. It was Grinder Ball. Grinder Ball. Do you remember Grinder Ball? Yeah. Ozzy Ian style? Sure. It was all about get them on and get them over. Get them on and get them over. We hit for contact. We just, you know, that's where I go. So that's the analogy I use for them is like, look, man, you've been here 60 days. You have activities in Pepsi. Pepsi has a lot of freight, but you're probably not going to close Pepsi today, right? Let's go back and let's be honest. The first customers you have, you're never going to, you'll never hear that name. It will not be some type of name brand. And that's okay because you got to get a frame of reference. So let's hit for contact and go find yourself 10 bill twos that'll give you $1,000 in net revenue every month. That's it. Just mm -hmm. 10. $1,000 bill to customers. That is your core of your book of business that gets you into incentive and that solidifies your growth from there. That is a much easier task to accomplish in your first six months than it is to come and say, hey, I just got a 20 load per day account ready to fire off. Yeah, it's good. And you know what else it does? It builds confidence. Correct. Um, Correct. The, the book that we just started reading and uh, Atomic Habits, similar to the Kaizen effect, Small Steps, mm -hmm. kind of talks about that same thing. It's and what you're saying is basically focus on the process, you know, not these large goals. You of stole Pepsi. my quote. I actually <laughs> used to say this all the time. Focus on the process, not the product. Yeah. And that's what I used to tell them all the time. Everyone shows up and, all, and the f most common phrase you hear, I just want to book a load. I just want to book, I just want to book a load. I just yeah. want to put it on the board. I'm like, you're focusing on the product, not the process. Yeah. The process is show up with organized activities in leads that we feel like have some semblance of fitting our MVP and execute your calls, rinse and repeat, and do that effectively every day. I promise you, if you build a machine that's really good, your machine's going to produce a product that you really like. Yeah, and if you do not work on the machine and you keep trying to make the product, you're going to stumble. And before you know it, you're six, seven, eight, nine months in and you're feeling like, I can't do this and you got all this anxiety coming on you and goals start getting bigger and you're not there. And you know, it was a lesson I learned the hard way when I came into the business. Cause when we showed up, you know, it was like, here's your two weeks classroom training. Here's your phone, figure it out, kid. You yeah. know, and that's where you start to get, you know, you kind of had to get lucky back then to really make it because yeah. we, the way we approached it, we just didn't have that frame of reference or the tenure to understand like, Hey, we might be doing this a little bit different. So I don't know if that's necessarily coached or like bad advice given, but my thing is just, if I can leave you with something, like when you first start, I would even say it's probably the same on the carrier side, right? Like, do you, are, you know, just go find yourself that 50 to 100 truck carrier that you can build a relationship with and add a couple contracted lanes. Great, get got some something experience. solidified, get some experience, yeah. great. Add a couple more contracted lanes, couple more, you know, boom, there we go. Now we're at this rinse and repeat, send the tender and whatever kind of process and you're good to go. How are you supposed to learn in and the outs of the customers if you, if you never close them one? You, right. know, you close 10, $1,000 ones, you're learning a lot of things, you're gaining confidence, then you're gonna be, you have those case studies to apply right. to Pepsi. And, yeah, whatever the whole, thing, the whole yeah. thing takes care of itself. We know how to build an account for credit. We know how to quote, we know how the conversation, we yeah. know that buzzword that the person's gonna drop to give you credibility and you sound a little bit smarter when you call. Yeah. You're gonna love this uh, Atomic Habits book. Good, I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Bring it on vacation. Everything so. that we're saying is yeah. right down, right? I read in the first 20 pages. <laughs> uh, what, uh, what was the worst day 
at what was like your worst moment or day at Schneider and what's your like best moment in your day at Schneider or if you have one or you can do just one or the other. So as I think about this, it's kind of funny. Um, I'm having a hard time thinking about a day that was that terrible. And, you know, in reflection, it's like it might have felt terrible at the time, but ultimately we're way down the road and it's not even on my radar. Yeah. You know, and that's the principle I've tried to like I've kind of developed after having some perspective and tenure is like, you know, I kind of alluded to this earlier in the conversation. Most things we experience that feels that terrible really aren't that terrible. And, you know, the only the worst, there's like a couple things that stand out in my head. And they're not even that bad. There was one day I was like 10 months in, in my first year here and I was really struggling. I just, I couldn't get past this like $4,000 hump and my ramp was starting to go up. And I, you know, I, at that point I had been in sales for about a year and I was like, man, I, you know what, maybe I'm just not good at sales. Maybe I need to think something else, you know, and I was in a that bad resistance space. talking. Yeah. <laughs> that resistance talking. And, um, you know, I felt poorly about it. It was affecting my personal life. And, um, you know, I would go home, I would wake up mad and, you know, and I would go home mad and I was mean to Boone and I was mean to my family and like all these things. And it was weird. And then like, I remember going to lunch, I meet my mom for lunch still as, as regularly. I try as much as I can. I know I travel a lot more, so it makes it difficult. But, um, I just kind of told her, I was like, my, you know, I think I hit the limit. I think I'm going to, going to try something else. She goes, Mike, this is really weird. And I was like, why? She's like, I've never heard you like talk like this before. Like you normally are on the other side of it where you're like, I'm going to kick this thing's ass. She's like, I need you to go kick this thing's ass and you need to stop being a, a wuss. Yeah. A nicer yeah. way to say it. I love it. And I was like, okay, you're right, whatever. And I was like, I gave it a pretty hard shot for the next month. And all of a sudden it was like the universe flipped it for me and it it was almost like I had to like let go internally and like make a decision I was going somewhere and then the, the universe started to give me the opportunity and I closed my first okay. couple load a day account and I went from 4k to 20k overnight and I was all of a sudden making incentive and learning how to run a book and manage a decent sized customer and it gave me the gusto to keep going and that was like honestly the worst day I had was the day I thought I was going to quit. Eh, it's funny how those things work because I always say, as long as you do the right things, you follow the process, trust the process, you do the right things over and over and over. Eventually, you're going to get more lucky than you're get than you're not going to get lucky. You know, right. more than you're going to have bad luck. And it's like you could have. A lot of us have these voices in our head, the resistance in our head that's trying to talk us out of it, get us to quit, get us to give up. But it's like if we just stick through it just a little bit, maybe someone in our family gets us past that moment like your mom did or someone uh, or we fail. But if we can just get past that mark because you you were doing the right things, but like sometimes circumstances just, you know, are in the way and aren't allowing you to, even though you are doing all the right things, it's right. still not allowing you to get to that point. But like if we can just stick it out just a little bit more then everything will start clicking everything will start clicking and now you're at a spot where you're looking back and you laugh at it yeah <laughs> and it, it's we you know you and i are on the bottom end of the millennial spectrum i think technically and the, the younger our gener or the newer the generations come the instant gratification effect i think is more real yeah and i think ultimately yeah. it's the uh inner impatience we're all just 
uh, grow up with and like our world gives us that right where mm-hmm. you feel like things should show up fast and it's just yeah. that's where the coaching is with newer associates here is how do we get them to buy into the process and fight their own impatience and stay consistent and things will take care of themselves yeah that's good you know what was that, your best moment the best moment best moment Schneider when I beat Berger in the Chase Corporate Challenge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I always like to rib him on that one because I beat him in his own game. But um, I don't know. I guess my most recent would just be getting promoted to you know, director of business development. I mean, that was – I'm 30 now, but that, you know, I, in January when I got promoted, I was 29. And um, I think that was just a good accomplishment to hit within – just under eight years at a company and to continue to keep rising and just prove myself and um, have a company that wants to continue to give me opportunities to grow and rise, I think is, was a very rewarding type of feeling. Yeah. Well-deserved, man. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we can end it there. I mean, um, keep doing what you do, Berg. I, you know, I think uh, 